0: Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit is rampant. Bull. Bullshit. Bull. Bullshit. Hey folks, welcome back to the Bullshit Filter, Syrian Civil War, episode 1.16, this is, I think. So, uh, today it's just me, no Ray, because this is an interview I did when Ray was, uh, I think, on a plane to Australia a few weeks ago. It's an interview with uh, a chap by the name of Sakir. Um Mohanad is uh, a Syrian from Latakia. Uh, He's Alawi. Uh, He's currently living in uh, Europe, I think. Can't remember. Norway. Yes, Norway. Um, Studying in Norway. He's a software engineer, 36 years old. and um, He's been listening to the show, reached out to me via email or or Facebook, Um, said, listen, I'm a big fan, would love to come on and share my views or experiences with you as a as an Alawi Syrian from Latakia, which of course is where the uh, Al-Assad family is originally from, um, so we came on, we had a chat. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, I mean, it's just a view. I'm not. I don't. I'm not saying that because he's Syrian and he's uh, Alawi that his view of things is necessarily the truth or the gospel. I'm sure it's his truth, but as we know. There are lots of different things going on, lots of different versions of events, sides of the story. Um, Our job here on the show is just to try and get our arms around it and give you the non-bullshitty version of it as much as possible. But I think it's a terrific opportunity to talk to somebody from this part of the world who lived through at least part of it. He was there up until, I think, 2014. Uh, I think he was in Damascus anyway in 2014. Um, so take it for what it is—a uh, chat with somebody who is a direct uh, eyewitness of some of the goings on in Syria. And um, I really enjoyed it. I want to thank Muhammad from coming on. Uh, I, I really appreciated him taking time out. It was an honour to chat to him and hey. um yeah Hello. hope you enjoy it too
1: how are you i i feel uh, uh, well, well because i finally uh, have found someone is talking about the uh, syrian civil war in in, trust, in trusted way oh well who's that yes because before before your uh, podcast i i listened to many and uh, Almost all of them, they are telling, uh, telling lies about Syrian and about Alawi, especially. Right. Well, yeah. so, so I have to thank you, first of all, that you talked a little bit in, in telling the truth about Alawi and Alawi people, because I am, as I told you, I'm a Syrian Alawi.
0: So do you, do you speak Arabic? No, not at all. So okay. your English is much better than my Arabic. Yeah. <laughs> I can say assalamu alaikum. That's about it. Yeah, assalamu alaikum means peace on you. I like that. I like to greet people yeah. that way. I think that's but, nice. But
1: all of them, they say assalamu alaikum, but they don't have assalam. They don't have peace. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Well. Yeah. That's probably true. Yeah, so I'm, tell people tell people a little bit about yourself.
1: Yes, I am Muhammad Sakr, I am from Syria. I am Alawi. And I'm not, uh, I'm non-religion, but I was born to uh, Alawi uh, uh, father and mother, uh, Alawi parents. And I'm living now in uh, Norway. I'm studying here in Norway. I'm, I'm, I'm doing my master's degree because I studied in Syria, informatic engineering, uh, software engineering specialist. And uh, I'm 35 years old. I'm single. I don't have children,
0: and um, that's all. <laughs> How long have you been out of Syria? How long have you been away?
1: Yes, I, I traveled out of Syria. I think in the at the end of two thousand fourteen. All right. So I I have been here for almost three years.
0: And where were you living before two thousand and fourteen? In Syria, in Damascus. In Damascus, right. Yes,
1: yeah, th- my, my work was in the capital.
0: Because I think you told me in your email that you were uh, from the Latakia region on the coast.
1: Yes, my, I'm an orig- originally from Latakia, but I worked and lived in Damascus.
0: Right. Okay, and you you still have family over there, I imagine?
1: Yes, in Latakia I have a family. My father uh, is dead and my mother in life. Um and I have uh, three three brothers smaller than younger than me living
0: there right and uh, have they been caught up in the conflict?
1: No, one of them uh, one of them uh, he is still uh, studying, and uh, I have a daughter uh, not a daughter a sister <laughs> and I have uh, a third one he is uh, employee, but he wasn't called to military service yet.
0: Right. Okay. Well, that's good so far. So, Mohammed, how much of the serious series that Ray and I have been doing have you had a chance to listen to so far?
1: Oh, yeah. I I heard, I think, uh, until uh, podcast number eight. Okay. So I have I think uh, six uh, more I didn't uh, uh, listen because uh, because as I told you, I was doing my exams in the June and in May and June yeah yeah but 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 certainly I will hear them
0: right well i I would love to know once you've caught up um, how you think we're doing in terms of telling a fair uh, version of the story but you know the 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 subject of the Alawi I find interesting, like it's a quite a difficult subject for me to research because there's not a lot of good information. i I read a couple of books that talked a bit about um, where the Alawites come from and and I read a lot of you know forums with people debating it online and a lot of journalism uh, articles. But seeing as you grew up, uh in the religion um around the religion can you help us explain from your perspective what the alawites are all about
1: yeah look Allah, we we call we call ourselves alawiyin alawiyin means this plural one alawi many alawiyin so okay. alawite alawite i think it's um it's a name for um, uh, infinitive, infinitive of the verb, or, or, or you can say that, but uh, but it's more correct to to uh, to say alawiyin because okay. when you say alawiyin, everyone will understand you uh, completely. Okay. Alawiyin. We we are Alawiyin. So Alawiyin, as as my grandfather and uh, uh, old people told me, came from three different regions. First one is from Iraq, from Sinjar Mountain. We call it Jabal Sinjar. Jabal means mountain. So first group came to Syria to the coast from Sinjar Mountain. The second group came to Syria from Lebanon. Lebanon, we have uh, um, also mountains in Lebanon, and they came to Syria to the coast. And the third group was in the coast itself, so they they didn't come from anywhere. But I remember, I remember one story my grandfather told me before. Uh, In some period in the history, Osmani, Uth- Uth- Turkish, Usmani came to uh, controlled Syria and all the nation Arab, uh, and they killed Alawiyin very much. and uh, They killed thousands of them, and one of the Sinjar Mountains, Sinjar Mountain, as I told you, from Iraq, came to Syria to help Syrian Alawiyin. So we have, we have uh, some. Uh, some um, good ideas about Sinjar Alawiyin. We respect them. They respect us. So we have a very old relationships.
0: Okay. And yeah. would you agree with the people that say that Alawi is closely related to Shia?
1: No. I will tell you this story. Just to close the window because the sun is coming to my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Look, when Hafez al-Assad, Hafez al-Assad, by the way, his name is Hafez al-Assad, not Hafez Assad. Hafez Assad is another family and another group in Syria. And they don't have any relationships to, uh, any relatives to al-Assad family. Mm -hmm. Al-Assad family is the family who, uh, which controlled Syria al-Assad mm-hmm. not Assad al-Assad mm-hmm. Hafiz al-Assad when he when he controlled Syria in uh, 1970 he came to uh, some imam do you know imam imam is mm-hmm. a muslim uh, muslim uh, degree to say that in Lebanon and his name is Musa al Musa al was was imam of Shia in Lebanon and he asked him to say fatwa. Fatwa means a sentence or uh, or uh, something that people will accept differently. He says, he asked Musa al-Sadr to say that Alawiyin is a branch or is a small group of Shia. Why? Why have al-Assad asked him to say that? Because in the Syrian constitution, we have something... That the president of Syria must be a Muslim,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and Shia are Muslim and Sunni are Muslim, but Alawiyin before 9070, I don't think they are Muslim, and we are not Muslim,
0: uh. <laughs>
1: and and now in this conflict, if you talk to any Alawi, Alawi uh, single of Alawiyin, mm-hmm. if you talk to him. And you say you are Muslim? It's like it's like you are saying something bad about him, right? So so we are not Muslim, in fact, but Hafez Al Assad, he was a clever man, very smart. He he wanted to to put Alawiyin under the Shia umbrella, and of course he he calculated everything in his mind. He said. To his, to himself, if we we went under this umbrella, we can go to universities, go to military, uh, uh, sign to military, go to schools, because Alawiyin in the history history was uh, were living in very bad conditions, living conditions. Why? Because all the area in the Syria or around around the Syrian coast where the alawites live now all of them they are muslim sunni and they wanted to fight us and kill us to to the last alawi because they consider us not muslim
0: and okay? was there what what else was there to their desire to kill alawiyin apart from the fact that you're not muslim
1: just because we are not Muslim. okay they, they wanted to bring us to Sunni uh, Sunni uh, group or uh, committee mm-hmm. but we mm-hmm. didn't accept in the history. but you can say that some of, of um, rules in Shia we believe we believe of some of them but not all. For example, Shia uh, like Al Hussein. Al Hussein is a, um, Imam in the history. Al Hussein is the son of Ali bin Abi Talib, and Ali bin Abi Talib is the cousin of the Prophet Muhammad. Mm-hmm. Al Hussein was a good person, and we liked his life and what he said before, but we don't believe. In Al- Hussein, as Shia believe, right. The, there are many differences between us Alawiyin and Shia, and until now, Shia trying are trying to pull us to the Shia and Sunni trying to pull us to the Sunni, and we, we don't like to go anywhere. We just like to be only Alawiyin.
0: And so, what is your perspective of the family of Al Assad as somebody who was raised Alawite? What's what's your thoughts on the role that they played?
1: Yeah, they are very bad. I can't say they are very bad, uh, uh, but but the period of Hafez Al Assad, I accept that. When you say he is a dictator, of course he is. He was a very, very bad president. But he, uh, to to say about Havzl Assad, Havzl Assad was very clever and smart in out of Syria. So his foreign policy was perfect. But inside Syria, he didn't care anything. He he didn't. Uh, he didn't ask someone about the education, he didn't ask about hospital uh, health care or uh, transportation or uh, anything inside Syria he didn't care about. But outside of Syria his policy was very good because he, he was a clever and politician uh, a, a good politician in my mind. Especially when he taught when he um, when we talk about his conflict with israel with his conflict with jordan and plo in jordan and when he uh, when his conflict with turkey all of those problems he solved he solved them very easy and very in, in clever way but inside syria living conditions was very bad very hard uh, in that 30 years that he controlled Syria but but when you talk about Alawiyin and the assad family assad family uh, after hafez al assad uh, has died uh, bashar al assad came to the to the power and his family um spread spread very much they to- they took everything Rami Makhlouf Rami Makhlouf is uh, Bashar al-Assad cousin Took uh, took the telecommunication sector in the Syrian economy he has a telecom mobile company which uh, which uh, its name is uh, SyriaTel, mm-hmm. and we have another one its name is MTN those we have just two mobile uh, telecommunication companies in Syria and those two are owned by Rami Makhlouf and Rami Makhlouf is Bashar's cousin
0: mm.
1: and we have many names from the from that family by the way Rami Makhlouf is uh, not from the Assad family but he uh, mother of Bashar al-Assad Anisa Makhlouf has a sister and this sister is the mother of Rami Makhlouf so right. so so they not just Assad family we have Makhlouf family also take advantage of the uh, ruling Syria by Assad family
0: so one of the things that we were talking about on the show in some of the recent episodes. So in the recent episodes, you know, we've caught up to 2011 and the the protests that started in Daraa and, um, you know, yes. everything yes. that sort of happened after that. Um, one of the things that I've read is that there was a lot of support throughout 2011 big um, rallies in support of Bashar al-Assad in places like Damascus, particularly from the religious minorities, the Alawiyin, the Christians, the Druze, etc., who and the Shia, who were concerned that if the al-Assad family was kicked out, that uh, Syria would be taken over by... Sunni groups, and that life would get worse for the religious minorities, can you talk a little bit about your perspective on whether or not that's an accurate depiction of what was going on in the in that year
1: yeah, but let me first tell you about the dara Dara uh, crisis sure uh, this this is story, when you talk about some children wrote some uh, bad talk, uh, bad uh, sentences uh, on the walls in Dara, and the uh, security came to them and put them in the jail. And when their parents came to the security, uh, asking about their children, uh, the security said, uh, you have to forget your children. And if you don't have children. Bring your women to uh, fuck them. We security, we can fuck them, and after that you can uh, you can have a new children. These sentences or, or this story um, led a very bad impressions on the Dar'a men, on the people that live in Dar'a. But let they they say that, but the True, the true story is not like that. Look, you, when you talk about the Syrian crisis, you have to remember in the 2006, uh, Hezbollah, Hezbollah is a Lebanese hez, Hezbo, uh, fought, uh, fought, uh, fought Israel, and Israel bombed the, um, the south area of Lebanon, where, where Shia live, and then, and in that period, Hezbollah bombed Israel. I think uh, with five thousand rocket missiles, five thousand. So in this in this war between Hezbollah and Israel, Bashar al-Assad was from uh, was in the Hezbollah uh, class. In the same time, Saudi Arabia and United Arab of Emirates, they didn't. Like to be in the Hezbollah and Bashar al-Assad row, they went to Israel row, and after that, Bashar al-Assad make a sentence on TV. He said, "Arab Gulf leaders are half man, half man, not, com- n- not a man, half mm-hmm. man." Mm-hmm. And and you know, Arab Gulf leader, they are from. Uh, a very old families and they consider these words very difficult and they said oh it's he is he is very young to control this country and you can see what is he saying on TV. He say he says we are half men. And from from that day Arab Gulf country put in their mind that they have to, they must uh, kick Bashar al-Assad out of the power. And from, from 2008 and from the 2009 in Syria, I, uh, I noted that the intelligence service uh, always, always catch uh, terrorist cells in the in Syria, in Damascus, in Latakia, in Aleppo, so from that day they worked to uh, to hit Syria, and but they were they were exporting weapons to Syrian Sunni groups, but they were waiting the right moment to make a revolution. And when Dara crisis happened, they said, oh, it's a very good moment to start. Because I have a friend from Dara, and he, he, he said to me, "Dara story is not correct. It's not true. Of course, we have some... Uh, uh, it's happened that some children wrote something on the walls, but this is not the, the mainly reason in Dar'a crisis. Why are? Because Dar'a, were, Dar'a was taking weapons from Saudi Arabia within Jordan. So this, we, we have to agree that this story is not true and We have to think about the war between Hezbollah and Israel in 2006. Now, if you look inside Syria, if you take a look, you will find 90% of the people who has good positions in in government are from Sunni, not from Alawi, 90%. So you can't say, you can't say that Sunni in Syria was in a bad situation. Of course not. We are 23 millions. We have almost 18 millions Sunni, and we have uh, 5 millions from other groups, including Alawites and uh, Christians and Durus and Shia and whatever.
0: So, if I understand you correctly, you're saying that quite quickly after the incident happened at Dara the violence that followed was being caused by external parties. It wasn't uh, an internal affair, even quite quickly, you believe, after uh, Daraa. So, within March of 2011, do you think foreign um influence was already uh, to be seen in in the the rising levels of conflict in Syria
1: yes exactly hmm. they were planning they were planning to kick bashar al-assad out of the power but they were waiting the the right moment
0: which is exactly what bashar al-assad claimed when he gave his first speech I think it was at the end of March in 2011, he, um, from the very beginning, said that there were uh, foreigners that were causing trouble. And, of course, most people in the international media uh, didn't believe him then. They thought that was just the standard excuse that um, Arab dictators come up with when they face internal uh, opposition. But as as I've said on our show a number of times, there was a long history of internal uh, and external um, troubles in Syria, going back, you know, I guess to the to the French occupation and even before that. Um, So it's easy to see that there is a precedent for both of those things, possibly being true, um, but you, you you think it was more externally influenced than internal.
1: Yes, but let me let me tell you something about the French occupation. We Alawiyin have to thank France because before France it was not allowed to any Aloe to go to the military school. Yeah. And in this period because we were a military um, uh, yes, minute min- 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 and in this period that France controlled Syria, I think twenty six years, from uh, from the year nineteen, 19 uh, twenty to nineteen forty six. So France controlled Syria, I think twenty six years. In this period, France uh, allowed to some of to go to military and to to study medicine, to study engineering, everything. So we had we finally we get our uh, rights in in life. And one of those people, I think, was Hafez al-Assad. Before Hafez al-Assad, we Syria has hadn't uh, hadn't. Uh, Accept any alloy in power positions. Even in universities, it was very hard to be accepted if you are Alawi. It's not uh, in direct way. It was indirect way. How I can explain? They kept us very poor, so we couldn't go to universities, and we couldn't uh, we couldn't stand transportation fees uh, books to to hire a house in the cities all the alawis all the alawis we, we are talking now about the 3 million alawi in Syria can you imagine that no alawi can study so they they worked about uh, they worked on this point to keep alawi uh, very poor mm. But when france came Uh, it changed something about our future. So we have to thank France.
0: So getting back to the um, early part of the civil war, Mohanad, would you agree that the government's reaction in that first couple of months to... The protests, whether they were internally or externally generated, was pretty harsh. I mean, we, we read that by April, May, June, uh, some estimates are that there were, I think, 1,200 civilians dead by April, 3,000-odd by June. Um it, you were there during that time. You know, what was it like? What, what do you think was going on?
1: Yes. In the first, uh, I, I mean, in, in April, June, July, in the first uh, period of this crisis, uh, I remember when Bashar al-Assad said security forces have no right to carry real weapons. They have to carry just sticks to, to, to hit People, not guns, not uh, not uh, not real weapons, but in this, and and I, b- By the way, I have one friend who who has dead in in that uh, three months because it was not allowed to him to carry um, real weapon, and then many of the military soldiers and security forces uh, made are uh, made. Um, how to say objection to bashar al-assad they said other people or those terrorism t- terrorists they are killing so syrian soldiers and you don't you you don't allow us to carry and to fight and to defend ourselves and after that he allowed them to carry real weapons i have one friend of mine who who has been killed in in those three months so but you can you can ask me how this revolution even though i i, I can't I can't name it a revolution it's just a crisis it's not a revolution in the in this period the other side I mean the darabibul when Syrian soldiers were not allowed to carry real weapons they killed in real weapons, Syrian soldiers. They, they did that on purpose. They killed because they wanted this crisis to be bigger and bigger and go to other provinces, not just in Daraa.
0: And again, you're suggesting these were, uh, for want of a better word, terrorist cells that were driving that in Daraa.
1: Yes, they wanted this crisis to to turn to a revolution and to put to more oil on the fire. Mm. But in the beginning, Bashar al-Assad said, it's not allowed to any of the sol- Syrian soldiers and security forces to carry real uh, weapons. But they didn't like that because, because they have Someone outside of Syria, maybe in Jordan, in Saudi Arabia, in Turkey, they 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 have this person says, uh, "Go in this revolution far and far, and we want a war inside Syria."
0: But we we have reports, Mohammed, of tanks rolling into some of these towns during this period. Um, you know, it doesn't sound like the Syrian security forces were trading carefully Yes tanks, tanks
1: are in every town in Syria we have we have in smallest town in Syria we have some military peace, uh, especially especially when you you know Dara is is near of Israel border and Dara is near of Al Kunaitira city and Al Kunaitira city is very clear, uh, very near to Israeli border, so it's it's very normal when you see when you see
0: tanks right. in everywhere. Right. right. So what about um, what happened in Tel Kala? Am I pronouncing that correctly? It was in April. Yes. Tel Kalach. Tel There were the reports I read said there was a massacre of at least forty civilians. There was live firing. Into unarmed protesters. What's your understanding of what happened then?
1: To be honest, I I, uh, I don't remember exactly because because we have many and many and many massacres in, in in these six years.
0: Yeah, but of I
1: remember some of uh, some of the uh, uh, event. That we talked about a lot about it was in Jisr al-Shughur. Jisr al-Shughur is a city, I think, in Idlib province. Mm -hmm. And the the protests came to this uh, small military, uh, military base and killed every soldier there. It was in the early days of this conflict, but I don't remember exactly that date. Fourth of- it was it was a a, a big shock because hmm. uh, the pictures and the videos uh, were were new were new to Syrian people. When we when we saw that, we we said that that is not in Syria because it was horrible and terrible.
0: Yeah, that was on the fourth of June. So. A couple of months after the protests in Daraa, but it, it it this was I think 120 soldiers were killed. We talked about yes. this on the show the other day. Um, yeah, and and there's been a, a number of different stories about how that happened that were coming out at the time. There were uh, claims of terrorist cells. There were claims that the uh, some. Soldiers in the Syrian army had rebelled because they didn't want to fire upon civilians and they'd been given orders to do that um, what's your take on what happened at Jizr al shagur uh,
1: yes i think I think uh, that's right, but it was it was uh, uh, a shocking news because I think it was the first massacre in the Syrian army. Uh, mm. all of us was uh, all of us uh, were very sad in Latakia especially because most of those 120 soldiers were from Latakia and Tartus uh, Latakia and Tartus are the the Alawi provinces in Syria right. we have just two 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 uh, big provinces and we have some towns in Homs Hama and uh, Damascus, and uh, some towns. But Mm -hmm. the majority of Latakia and Tartus are Alawiyin. Mm -hmm. Yes, we we had many, many mascaras, so so I can't remember each one, uh, what happened inside.
0: Mm. Yeah. Okay, so if you believe then that the violence was started by external forces... Um, Arab-driven to um, destabilize the Al-Assad government and and replace the Al-Assad government. Yeah, what do you think has happened then over the last six years? Uh, is do, do you believe that Bashar Al-Assad Al-Assad still has the support of a large number of the Syrian people, or has he lost that over this period?
1: And now, after six years of this war, you are talking about the twelve million refugees outside of Syria, and we have, I think five million refugees inside Syria who who've fled uh, fled from the hot areas to the safe areas. Especially they came to Latakia and Tartus, because in Latakia and Tartus, we don't have a war. So you are talking about you are talking about seventeen million refugees, Syrian refugees, and our population before 2011 were to, uh, 23 million. So you so you are talking about more than half of the population. Yeah. I don't think I don't think after this crisis Bashar al-Assad still has uh, much support from the Syrians because when you when you when you are forced to leave Syria uh, without thinking about the reason you you will say this government is bad.
0: But right? people are. People feel that way not because they believe that the Al-Assad government has always been bad and brutal and needed to be overthrown, but because he has mishandled the crisis or hasn't shut down the crisis quickly enough, or just there's no rational reason behind it. They just have had to leave their homes and they've got to be angry at someone.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. For example, I have many refugees here in Europe, and they they said to me, "It's not. It was not about Assad. But, but we lost our jobs, we lost our homes. Uh, many of them has, uh, many of them have uh, brothers and sister, sisters and parents were killed, and they didn't. They didn't hate Bashar al-Assad before. They are angry because this situation, because." their case it's not about assad or al-assad family that control syria but they in the same time they say it's his responsibility to kill terrorism and terrorists very quickly it's not mine uh, responsibility hmm. so you can't you can't say all all of the refugees out, outside of syria and inside syria they don't like assad uh, Controlling, but they are very angry because their case or their living conditions turn into a bad, very bad conditions.
0: So, who do you think most Syrians would like to see running Syria if it's not Bashar al Assad?
1: I don't think uh, they talk in this way because everyone now know that Bashar al-Assad will still uh, will still be a president so you can't hear much people talking about who is the alternative president
0: hmm.
1: so you, uh, you know that Russia is helping Bashar al-Assad and uh, Iran is helping Bashar al-Assad and finally USA turned it to to accept at least, not helping Bashar al Assad, but uh, at least accepting Bashar al Assad. And uh, uh, for example, uh, uh, many, many, not many, a few, for example, Algeria. Algeria is supporting al Assad uh, uh, regime, Malaysia. Uh, yes, you, uh, they are not many, but few. So I think I think Bashar al-Assad is uh, will stay in the power.
0: Yeah, I mean, you talked about Russia and Iran's involvement um, and the the US's um, uh, sort of acceptance that the Assad's will continue. I, while I have you on the show, we we, we talk a lot. Uh, have you listened to any of our other podcasts, the Cold War or our history shows?
1: No, I, Cold War.
0: Yeah, we do a the Ray and I do a series on the Cold War as well. It's all right. Um, no, but but I know about Cold War without listening to the.
1: I, I will listen to to the podcast, but I didn't. I will listen. But if if uh, if you have some questions about the Cold War, maybe I can answer.
0: No, it wasn't about that. I actually wanted to ask you about your perception of the United States in particular. Um, I have a theory that people living in uh, the Middle east in general have a better understanding about America's geopolitical history in that region in the last 70 years than most Americans do yeah um, do you think that's true and and what do you th- how do you think people living in Syria perceive the United States and their role in that region?
1: Yes. Look, United States, uh, Syrian, Syrian have an idea about the United States, which is United States can do anything for money anything for money of course syrian will respect that united states have has many technology big companies and they have a good healthcare system and they have the best universities in the world and they have everything in technology and mechanical issues americans have the best but they don't have moral issues. Look at Iraq, look at uh, Somalia, look at Afghanistan, look at many, many areas in the region, and you can see that United States always help Saudi Arabia just, because, just for money. And they don't care about the freedom and the newspaper inside Saudi Arabia. They don't care about the women's rights. They don't care about the human rights in general inside Saudi Arabia. They don't care about anything except money. So you will not you will not find many Syrians like the foreign policy of the American governments, especially especially when uh, when it was about the period of George Bush, and they attacked Iraq, and finally. Uh, Finally, they didn't find any chemical weapons inside Iraq, and I, I remember, I remember Tony Blair, the Prime Minister, British Prime Minister, when he came to the BBC and say, and said, "We are sorry, Iraqi war was a big mistake. We are sorry." It's very easy to say, "I am sorry," and George Bush is sorry, but what about two uh, one million Iraqi? That, that killed in this war. And I think 7, mil, seven million Iraqi outside uh, were forced to leave their homes inside Iraq. So we have this idea about Americans. They do everything for money, for oil, and they don't care. For example, for example, because Saddam Hussein, it, he is one person, they killed million persons they forced 7 million Iraqi to leave Iraq to be a refugees in Europe and in Australia and in Canada in everywhere, just because Saddam al-Hussein. So we have this, we and Syrians have this idea about Americans. We can't trust them. And many times we can't trust CNN or BBC. Because I remember also when BBC came and said this is statement on TV that Saddam Hussein and Iraqi regime can can produce uh, nuclear weapons in 45 minutes and they attacked Iraq they destroyed Iraq they killed many Iraqi people and they didn't find they didn't find any chemical weapons and uh, in Syria they are trying to do the same and in Libya they they are they did they they killed al Qaddafi and but they didn't they didn't bring any freedom to Lib, Lib, libyans and until now you can see after 5 years of war inside libya people are fighting each other
0: and then of course in the political vacuum that they created in iraq it gave rise to Daesh or ISIL or ISIS, whatever you want to call them, which yeah. is an, a whole new level of problem.
1: Oh yes, Daesh, Daesh or ISIS is uh, very, uh, very uh, <clears throat> horrible group. But but in in one uh, period or in one day, United States uh, throw help or food i mean food or or oil or something to help to isis in the in the in the beginning of the time that they saw that bashar al-assad maybe will will win the war they tried to help isis but they uh, of course they deny but many many people saw the American airplanes throw the helps to ISIS in, in, the, in the area of Der Azor and Arraqa, which, which uh, are controlled by ISIS.
0: So the Americans claim they were trying to support the good rebels. Uh, <laughs> and of course, yes. it's <laughs> very hard for most Westerners to tell the difference between the good rebels and ISIS.
1: Yes, and you can see now. Now I think yesterday or before, just one week before, uh, United States uh, drove a plane was flying in the area of Raqqa. Uh, not Raqqa in. Uh, but yes, yes, I think it was Raqqa. Yeah, Raqqa province, and this airplane was Syrian, mm. and there. We don't have, uh, we don't have uh, many ISIS. So now United States and Kurdish people are in Iraq. So Mm. if you are really fighting ISIS, why do you fight al-Assad regime? Mm. (laughs) Mm.
0: They say we are fighting ISIS, but they are not. Mm. And uh, before I let you go, Mohanad, let me ask you about the claims that we hear in the West that Bashar al-Assad has used sarin gas on the Syrian people. Do you believe that either or both of those claims, either incident, is true that Bashar was responsible for the gas attacks?
1: No, I don't think so. Because, uh, as, as the people around that area told us, the uh, chemical weapons were in the Ripple's stores, and the Syrian forces came, Syrian air forces came and pumped the, that, uh, the, those stores. So, the chemical weapons were already in, the, in their stores. They are not from the Syrian government side. Uh, and, and one thing I have to mention here, that many of the gas attacks were, were fabric uh, or were, were fake, were false. They, they found, or uh, we, Syrian, found many videos are just uh, moved or filmed in in studio they are not real many many of them but I believe I believe that chemical weapons they are not from the government side because because one one thing can can prove that in that period government Syrian government or the regime Syrian regime was making successful or was making success yeah so he he doesn't need to use those chemical weapons if he had mm. yes. so t- and just one thing mm. those rebels can do anything just to to do what they want I don't I don't know if you saw uh, when they Uh, a small boy a young boy he was 12 years old and he was also Sunni not Shia or not Alawi just because he is from uh, military uh, not military he was talking to the military by phone so they considered they considered him as a spy
0: Hmm.
1: he was just 12 years old and Hmm. they slugged him by the the knife Hmm. so you, uh, we, we, we can, we can say they do anything. Just to, to do, or to achieve their
0: aims. So, just to be clear uh, about your personal views, Mohanad, what do you yeah. think of Bashar al-Assad? Uh,
1: you, you are to, you are asking about if he will. St- if he will stay in the power or not, or his personality?
0: Uh, where, do you think he's a, a good guy or a bad guy?
1: Uh, I think he is not. He is not qualified enough to control a country like Syria because Syria is a difficult country, is a hard country to control mm-hmm. because we have many, many, many groups, and each one, each one. Is supported by some bigger group outside of Syria so he is I think he is uh, he is uh, young to this task but his idea by the way he is he is a doctor medicine doctor especially specialist in eyes Mm -hmm. diseases and one day one day I was in a hospital making making uh, checks Check my eyes, and suddenly I saw Bashar al-Assad is the doctor, and this hospital is Tishreen Hospital. It's famous hospital in Syria. I I was I was I think thirteen years old, and some doctor he he was tall and wearing this white dress, and he checked me and write something to the to the to my uh, my file. And after he went, my father said, do you know who is? Who is uh, him? I said, no. He said, he is the son of the president, Hafez al-Assad. So I think he is a good man, but he he doesn't have enough experience in uh, controlling or ruling a country like Syria.
0: So before the crisis broke out, Bashar had been president for 10, uh, nearly 11 years. Uh, Do you feel like he did a good job during those years? There were a lot of high expectations that when he became president, there would be major reforms in the country, most of which didn't happen. Uh, What do you think about his time as president before the Civil War?
1: Yes, when he came in two thousand, after his father's, uh, his father was dead, he he did a very good things to the country. For example, uh, my faculty in the university, informatic engineering, was established in in two thousand when Bashar al-Assad came. Before that, we didn't have any informatic engineering faculty in Syria. And when he came, he established this this uh, faculty in the universities because, as you know, he studied in uh, British uh, Britain, and uh, when he came to the to to the presidency, he didn't found this this science in Syria. He he established this, and before two thousand, it was very difficult, and you you need a security. Security, approve approval to buy a computer. If you want to buy a computer, it was not allowed. You need you need some security acceptance from the security uh, forces. He made this very easy, so he removed these bad things, and you can buy a computer if you have money, and then. He brought mobile telephone companies. Before 2000, we didn't have mobile phones inside Syria. He brought uh, the satellite, you know, satellite and receiver. Before 2000, it was not allowed also to have one. But when Bashar came, it was very normal. Like, Like any country, if you have money, you can buy before that it was not a lot he did many things and he brought internet internet service to Syria and by the way I was working in this project internet project in Syria so Syria was going to be a very good country in this very uh, I can't say it's a short period but you know after 30 years of ruling by Hafez al-Assad, Syria have uh, Syria has nothing. And when Bashar came, Bashar al-Assad came, he tried to do everything positive. But of course, you know, uh, from the 30 years uh, Hafez al-Assad period, we have a high level of corruption. So Bashar al-Assad has to do two things simultaneously. First one is to fight the internal corruption, and second one to make Syria modern. And he can't, he couldn't make Syria modern without fighting the corruption. Because of that, he took 10 years to do good things to Syria. But in my mind, if they let him if if they let him do what he wants what he wanted i think syria will be a very good country
0: mm. well Mohanad, um thank you so much for uh coming on and and giving us your perspective as somebody who was born and raised in syria um as an alawi uh really tremendous I mean I really appreciate you giving us that kind of uh, insight and perspective it really helps so um, thank you and, and I hope you'll come back on uh, the show uh, at some point uh, when you've caught up to the series and we can sort of talk a little bit more about uh, when we particularly when we get up to some of the modern stuff you can tell me uh, what you think's going on there today 2017
1: yes yes I I I definitely will listen to uh, the remain uh, episodes of this uh, podcast, Syrian Civil War, and uh, uh, I, from my side, I uh, am very happy to talk to you and to answer your questions. Maybe sometimes, sometimes you don't mention the exactly fact. Without talking to Syrian men, mm-hmm. for for example, for example, I, I wanted to to talk about something. Maybe you you didn't ask. We as Alawiyin, we don't belong to any of Sunni or Shia or or anything. We just Alawiyin, and all the groups tried to pull us to them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: For example, we Alawiyin. Um we don't uh, we our women our women don't wear hijab hijab this scar- headscarf. Mm-hmm. We don't wear. We are modern, we are we can discuss any subject, any point. For Shia don't accept to discuss in religion or le- le- religious issues. They wear hijab. They you can't say the radical Sunni has something in the opposite side who is radical Shia. And we don't like to be Shia or Sunni or anything. We, we don't like to be anything except Alawiyin. Modern people, they know how to think, they are open-minded, and they took, they took the good things from Islam, they talk the good things from Christianity. They talk the good things from Judaism. In, the, in this way, we formed the committee. Committee. So, by the way, we have some holidays from Christianity. We have some holidays from Islam. We have some holidays from uh, Hindus. So you can't consider us as a Muslim or Christia- Christian or anything, mm-hmm. we just we just have took taken the good things from any religion we see. Of course, we li- we live the bad things. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it sounds like uh, sounds like they they were the uh, original hippies. They just tried to take the best bits from everything else. Yes, <laughs> yes, the logical thing. Well, listen, if you hear anything else on our series on our podcast that I got wrong, please shoot me an email and let me know and I will correct it on the next episode.
1: Of course, definitely.
0: Thanks again, Mohammed. It was uh, lovely to finally get to talk to you and um, thanks for listening to the show.
1: You are welcome. It's very interesting shows. (laughs)